Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Renegade, Chapter 13. Tippy was glad that Mrs. Jewel was away for the day so that she wouldn't be seen crying her eyes out. She put the meat in the refrigerator and sat down in the living room until the tears abated. She just made herself a cup of coffee when Cash drove up in the yard. At the same moment, two women knocked out the knocked at the back door. Tippy went to answer, wishing her eyes weren't red. Two women in the grocery store were standing there looking miserable. One had a basket of cheese and crackers tied with a bowl. The other had a small bud base with yellow rose in it. Tippy's mouth fell open. He wanted to say how sorry we were for the things we said. The elder of the two said quietly, you were right. We do believe things when we see them in print, even when they're not true. But we don't believe those lies anymore, and we're making it our business to see that nobody else in Jacobsville believes them either. Here, she puts the basket awkwardly in Tippy's hands. This too, the young woman said was the worst part. We won't keep you. We just wanted to apologize. Thank you, Tippy said as she smiled, but it means more than you know. The woman glanced over her shoulder at Cash. We're pretty proud of you too, Mr. Grier, the other woman said. We hope you won't let the scallywag Big Brady take away your job or those other policemen's jobs either. I won't, he promised. They smiled shyly and left quickly when they were in the kitchen with the door closed. Cash looked at the gifts in Tippy's hands and then her head swelled nice. What happened? I went to the store, she confessed, then made some comments about the front page of the latest tabloid. I saw it. That's why I came home. He took her by both shoulders and looked down. I've already taken measures to stop it. Yeah, what? She asked really. Something public. Do you realize that our best bet is to draw that ki their kidnapper down here, deal with him on our own ground? He had a kindly. She said, yes, yes, though, though, because it would mean that Cash could get her, defended her. He told her to face up to him as he been kissed her with president. Everything's going to be all right. Don't cry anymore. She made her smile. Okay. Okay. Want to go to a political rally with me tonight? He added with a smile. It's for Calhoun Ballinger. You can meet some of the local aristocracy. I don't look good enough to go out. Nonsense. You're a heroine. You look great. She was thrilled that he wanted people to know she was with him. Okay, then. I'm making you lasagna for supper. She had it again. My favorite. I noticed. Be careful out there. You know it. He went and left her alone with her thoughts. Calhoun Ballinger's political rally was out of chase out on the Victorian Road. It was a roadhouse and bar, but always well policed. It had been quiet since the recent trouble with the notorious Clark brothers. John Clark was killed in a shootout with Judd Dunn and a bank security guard up in Victoria while attempting to rob a bank. His brother Jack tried to gun down Judd Dunn in revenge. He hit Christina Bell Gaines and said he ended up in prison for life for the attempted murder of Christina Bell, as well as revenge murder of a young woman in Victoria who had sent him to prison for rape. Cash introduced Tippy to the other guests. His pride and her very obvious. She smiled and shook hands and, and then traced every man under 50, but as always, she had eyes only for Cash and a choke. When they got out of the dance floor, she melted into his arms. It had been a long time since Cash had fascinated the populace doing Latin dances with Christine Dunn, but there... That was before she married John and gave birth to twins. He knew Tippy wasn't up to fast dancing, so he kept a gentle pace on the floor. He slipped her green eyes to his dark ones, looking as if she couldn't bear to look away. He smiled at her. Gossip got busy where there were smoke. There all they assumed each they assured each other there was fire. Cash was still worried about the third kidnapper who might come after Tippy. He beeped up patrols around his house and cautioned Tippy about locking doors when he wasn't home. He couldn't bear to think of anything happening to her. The week before the hearing of his officers at City Hall, Cash came home from work to have lunch one day and found Tippy in the kitchen preparing food. 
She was barefoot, wearing a long, full-circle denim skirt and a simple blue checkered button-up blouse. Her long, glorious hair was in a ponytail, skirted by a rubber band, and she wasn't wearing makeup. She looked as fresh as morning itself. Cash paused in the door, just filling his eyes with her. She put a jar back in the refrigerator. She glanced over her shoulder at him, and her green eyes danced with delight. You're early, she explained. I'm making a spice bread loaf to go with tuna salad. It's almost done. Oh, God, Tom, he said easily, slipping off his duty belt, looping it over the back of his chair. He stretched largely, displaying affordable muscles in his arm. I can have an hour for lunch, if I like. I'm the chief, he added with a grin. Made her heart lift when he smiled at her like that. She felt young and carefree. Her eyes couldn't stop looking at him. He was handsome, vital, physically devastating. He noted the expression glance in his chest well. Drooling over me again, huh? He teased off. Why don't you come over here and do something about it? She lifted both eyebrows, going back. Wouldn't you just faint if I did? Let's see, he taunted. She pursed her lips, put down the dishcloth she was holding, went right up to him, putting both hands flat on his muscular chest. Okay, Buster, <laughs> let's see what you can do with a real woman, she added in her best vampy tone, biting her long lashes at it. Adam, he is willpower, slipped suddenly. She smelled of flour and spices in close-up. It was obvious why she'd been chosen in the Grace magazine covers. Her bone structure was perfect. Her eyelids were reddish gold and very long. Her eyes were wide, a clear green with darker green on the outside rim. Her nose was straight, her mouth a beautiful soft curve that made a man's lips hungry for it. Her skin was exquisite. He had a hard time when he remembered the silky warm feel of it in the darkness. His head raced maddenly. She noticed the barely visible signs of his excitement was wonder. Yet he always seemed impervious to disturbances. But he was just good at hiding what he felt close up. He couldn't quite hide everything. Really rat with power. She stepped against him deliberately. Felt delight at the immediate reaction of his body. Careful, he said in a deep husky tone. Mrs. Jules hanging out with Lennon in the backyard. He nodded toward the open window through the screen of which he was visible. Mrs. Jewel sings to herself, she said unperturbedly. We'll hear her coming. He swallowed hard. He wouldn't hear her. His ears were full of his own furious heartbeat. She reached up with her hands and tucked his head down. Live dangerously, she whispered. His big hands went to her waist. She flinched. And they moved her hips and stared forward in the ribcage. Sorry, he murmured. I forgot the ribs. Me too, she whispered back to Come on, come on, give it all you've got. Pesting her own bending, she smiled under the sudden hard sweet crush of his mouth over her lips. She wasn't the least intimidated by him these days. The memory of her past encounters only made her hungry for more more of them. The feeling smell of her weakened him as much as her head long door. In the end, he backed her gently into the kitchen wall and lowered himself fully over in a furious escape of passion that he couldn't control. She laughed softly, wickedly as his hunger for her. She reached up, winced as the movement hurt her lips, and then forgot even the pain when his mouth opened and his tongue penetrated the line of her lips with force for intent. That's the spirit, she murmured. He kissed her more intensely. On his body got rigid with bent up to side. And suicide, he bit off. His hands reverted to her to his as he nudged her legs apart under the skirt. I don't even have anything to use. Mrs. Jewel was in on a robbery bus Monday. She noted brotherly. She included two boxes of prophylaxis. I bet she's got one or two tucked away. Let's ask Gary Bruce all up to be for God's sake. I only get an hour for lunch. She drew back with dancing eyes and flushed face. 
We still have 48 minutes. <laughs> Push away from her. Start going to get his breath back. I can't do you just. I can't do justice to you in 48 minutes. She said. I was gave him an exasperated look. Here I'm offering you everything I've got. He smiled. So wonderful things happen when you least expect them. Wait until next week. He added. What's happening next week? She asked someone. Some surprising things. He promised. I won't tell you. You have to wait and see. But you're. You'll like at least one of them, I promise. She laughed softly. Okay, if you say so, sit down and I'll feed you. How did you know I like tuna casserole? He wondered aloud as he sat down at the kitchen table. Mrs. Jewell told me, she replied, she's an encyclopedia of information about you. Did you know she was a deputy sheriff and that she can shoot a gun? Yes. He gave her a curious look. She grinned at it. She didn't sell you out. I saw the gun in the bathroom and asked her about it. She said she didn't want me to know about her background. She's going to protect me in case one of Sam's guys comes looking for me. Right? She had a better problem. That's about it. He confessed. It's nice that you worry about me. She said, putting food on the table and pouring coffee into his cup. Thanks, she said, adding huskily. He drew her mouth down to his and kissed her gently. While you're here, I'm responsible for you. He told her, I know you can look out for yourself most of the time. You're a grown woman. This threat is more than you can handle alone. I'm not going to let anything or anyone hurt you. She felt warm all over. She felt a jolt in her heart. She smiled helplessly at the tenderness in his dark eyes. He saw that and started getting cold feet. Started easing her away from him gently but firmly. Don't start talking about engagement rings just because I worry about you. He cautioned when she opened her mouth to speak. She said, Spoil sport, you're the one who mentioned surprises? He grinned, Yes, and you won't read these in my mind. He told her. She only smiled. She had some inkling of what was happening at City Hall because Mrs. Jewell told her things. There was a lot of talk about Senator Merrill's daughter being in big trouble and even more about the danger to city councilman and the actor mayor were in. There were more talk about the upcoming state elections and the city's special election for mayor. I hope Mr. Ballinger wants the state senate seat, she said out of the blue. I think he will. You coming with me to disciplinary hearing Monday night, aren't you? Yes, involuntarily, because he really wanted her emotional sport. He wasn't going to admit that. Of course I am, she replied with nothing. I wish Rory could be here, too. He didn't say another word, and he did his best to hide a secretive smile from her. But she sighed anyway, and she wondered what he was up to. The community was shocked a day or two later with the news that incompetent Senator Merrill's daughter, Julie Merrill, was launched in the county jail for attempted arson. She was Calum Bounder's most outspeded spoken critic on her father's behalf and she was already in trouble for slandering him in television ads now she'd seen one of her family's hired men to burn down the house of jordan powell's girlfriend libby collins her bail hearing was set for the following monday morning the same day of the city council meeting the disciplinary hearing for cash's officers that would be the would-be arsonist was singing like a canary and other charges were pending against miss merrill people said cash had hinted at some political daring do at the affair tippy had been very curious and he'd been secretive but saturday afternoon he left the house for an hour and came back with Roy. i can't believe it tippy explained older and her young brother close oh what a surprise i can't believe it either cash said you were sad and needing cheering up so he talked to commandant and let me take my exams early i'm here for as long as i can stay he had a wiggle in his eye rolls like cash cash chuckled you can stay as long as tippy does he promised, without adding that he had something in the works on that subject, too. Tiffy, though, took the words at face value. She was healing nicely. Soon, she'd been able to go back to work when she heard from Joe, but she hadn't yet. She wondered if Cash was getting tired of having her around. Tippy and Rory had a good time riding around the country.
County with cash that Sunday Sunday afternoon. Looking at the scenery, trees were just putting out green leaves and some wild flowers were already blooming. On a whim, Cash drove by the Dunn Ranch so that Tippy could see Christina Bell and the babies. Judd was running errands for Christina Bell, but Christina Bell and the babies were home. Tippy fat felt ill at ease at first in the house that held so many memories for her during the time she was filming a movie there. Been an emotional, shameful episode in her life. She hadn't been good company, and she'd been cruel to Christina Bell over Judd. But everything had changed in the past few months. She glanced up at Cash with quick, possessive eyes, taking care that he didn't see the look, but Christina Bell did, and she grinned at her. Tippy's face flushed. Cash saw that chuckle and meant to kiss Christina Bell briefly on the cheek. Tippy had to hide her quick jealousy. Cash didn't belong to her. She had to try to respect Remember that. Was he telling her so with a deliberate little kiss in Christina Bell's pretty cheek? All her insecurity rose to the surface. She crossed her arms over her chest and tried to pretend to be cheerful. Rory was excited about the babies. They're so little, he explained, letting Jared curl a small hand around his finger. He grinned. They're so cute. Tipping Cash laughed at his enthusiasm. They're growing like weeds, Chrissy told them all, but she was smiling at Tippy now with the same warmth she showed to Cash. Cash had Jasmina open his strong arms, and he was cooing to her with his heart in his eyes. It hurt Tippy to see him like that. To have a glimpse of how he would have been with their own children was immense painful. They're beautiful children, she told Chrissy, smiling not fine. Chrissy held out dear to her. Would you like to hold him? She asked gently. Tippy's eyes answered the question, filled with hunger and affection and voluntary. Tippy took the little boy in her arms and smiled at him. He smiled back. She gasped. Her whole face became red. Look at that! She explained. They both smile all the time, because she said brightly. They're just six months old. Now, Jared is just precious. Tippy mused, looking down at the little boy with an expression that he cast right in the heart. He hadn't let himself think about anything permanent with her. She was a model, an actress, used to bright lights and fame. But in the past few weeks, she'd molded into Jacobsville and became part of his life. She got along well with everyone, even the tabloid stories hadn't gotten her down very much. But he had a tabloid story of his own plan for the following week after a long talk with local physician Luke Coltrane, who had become a secret accomplice. He was going to clear Tippy's name in one fell swoop and make the tabloids eat their own insults. He wondered how Tippy was going to react. He had high hopes for the two of them. She looked right holding a baby in her arms. She looked radiant, but a little sad. She looked up and met his eyes. It was like looking into a mirror. Chrissy wanted to stress that they have another one, but it was too soon. She and Tippy were still walking warmly around each other. Despite their friendliness, she knew Tippy thought of her involuntarily as a rival because of their past. But when Tippy looked up at Cash, Chrissy knew at once that their days of rivalry were over. If ever two people shared a passion, it was Cash and Tippy. How's work going on the hearing, Chrissy? asked Cash and Grin. Very nicely indeed. It's tomorrow night, isn't it? Chrissy added, talk taking Jared from Tippy. You want to show up, Cash? It's going to be a historic occasion. I have some some surprises in store. In that case, Chrissy told him with him, I'll make sure that Judd comes with me. They did show up at City Hall, standing with Tippy and Rory at the doorway of City Hall, waiting to enter. Tippy smiled at Christy and Judd. She'd taken extra pains with her makeup, and not a single scar or bruise showed on her. That perfect skin, Tippy's hair was on a long braid, and she was wearing an emerald green silk pantsuit. <sighs> I can't wait to see Cash in action, Rory whispered to them. Then he turned to his companion, a boy about his age. He says it's going to be a lesson in politics. 
I think several people are going to get an education tonight, Tippy whispered back to him. Cash has a big surprise for the mayor and the council. I know, Judge replied. This is the stuff of legend. I wouldn't have missed it for worlds. <laughs> Neither would I. We, Tippy laughed. Chuck's Rory and his friend in the building, head of her pals, and to exchange a few words with Jordan Powell and Libby Collins. Who'd apparently come together. People would link. Jordan was Senator Merrill's daughter, but Libby seemed to have that. The inside track now. Tippy and Rory managed to get seats, but there were people standing to a piece all around the sides and back of the meeting room. Cash was sitting at a table in front of the mayor and city council with his two officers. The city attorney was at a table across from them, looking uneasy and irritable. On the wall was a huge aerial view of Jakesville, along with photos of the police department and fire department members on calendars. There was a huge coffee maker and a snack bar, as well as two telephones. The mayor and two council members were whispering back and forth urgently when the aisle cleared. Several visitors filed in. The mayor actually went pale. Tall and dark, Simon Hart, the state attorney general, and his four brothers walked between the rows of chairs, along with the county attorney two senators and what looked like a group of journalists, too, with television cameras. Simon shook hands with the city attorney, who whispered to him urgently. The meeting was reluctantly called to order. This is highly irregular, the mayor protested, standing. This is a disciplinary hearing. This is a kangaroo court. Cash replied, Stanley, my officer, in the course of their sworn duty, arrested Paul Justin for driving while under the influence of alcohol. They are being prosecuted by you, Mayor, and by two of your councilmen. You're related to the politician in question. That fact, the fact that you didn't disqualify yourself from this hearing due to conflict of interest, makes it a public concern. Exactly, Simon Hart replied. I am authorized by the governor to tell you that you are now the subject of a special investigation by state authorities into your practices and changes are and charges are pending against all of you involved in this subversion of justice. Reporters were snapping photographs. The news media was filming. The mayor looked as if he were trying to swallow a watermelon. I have protested this hearing since I learned of it. The city attorney said coldly, but I could not make the council hear me. Perhaps they will listen to you. Counting boundaries to them. They will certainly listen to the city citizens of Jacobsville. He said, approaching the table where the city attorney was sitting, drew out a thick manila envelope and handed it to the city clerk. The special mayoral election is tomorrow when Mayor Brady will face his opponent at the polls. This is a recall petition for Councilman Barry Inkover. It has more than enough Signatures. His dark eyes narrowed on the faces of the embarrassed city fathers. On the strength of it, I believe the city clerk will have the right to call a special election to replace those men. Indeed, I will. The city clerk agreed. I've already spoken to the Secretary of State. Simon Hart nodded. Justice has been compromised in this city, he said coldly. No police officer should ever be penalized for doing his or her duty. He had a look at straight at Lieutenant Carlos Garza and Officer Danny Hall, who appeared both pretty proud. I couldn't agree more. Cash replied. Another man came forward, a fireman in full uniform. He understood. He stood in front of the mayor. I'm Chef Ran of the Jacobsville Fire Department. I'm authorized to speak for Jacobsville 20 firefighters and 25 police officers, as well as the various municipal employees who work for the city. On their behalf, I'm here to tell you that if these two officers are fired, or if Chef Dreyer is fired, every one of us will walk out on the spot and we won't come back.
the council was speechless. The mayors couldn't find the right words either. Neither in this year Jacobsville had there been such solidarity among public officials. The news media was eating it up. Cash looked shell-shocked. He turned to look at Tippy and Rory, who both gave him the thumbs up again. He swallowed hard. Simon Hart moved forward and looked the mayor right in the eye. Your move. Ben Brady Forsma. Of course, these officers, as well as Chief Greyer, are welcome to continue their jobs in our town. He said, almost choking on the words. We had no one to turn firing them for, as you say, doing their duty. In fact, we commend them for their attention to it. The officers seemed to relax, so to crash Greyer. Simon wasn't, though. There's one other matter. Special investigator from my office has been looking into reports of drug trafficking involving a local citizen and two local politicians. He looks straight at Councilman Colder in the Ackman. Charges will be pending once the case has been turned over to your county district's attorney. I look forward to prosecuting it. The district attorney said with a cool smile. The acting mayor was very pale. He could see his political career waning. The special election to elect the mayor was the following day, and he was facing beloved ex-mayor ex Eddie Kane for the position. After a night, he didn't imagine he had much hope of keeping his job. In a town the size of Jacobsville, everyone would know about the charges by midnight. Very well, he said weakly. Will the secretary please read the minutes from the last meeting? It did take long. Within 30 minutes, she count. The council had finished its usual business, and the meeting was dismissed. Everyone left. Judge Clapp crashed cash cry. Chief Grier on the back. Congratulations. <laughs> he looked up. I never thought so many people would support us. You underestimate your worth to the city, Judge replied, and he smiled. <sighs> feel like you belong here now. Cash actually looked sheepish as Tippy came up on one side of him. Yeah, he said, I feel like I belong. He had an exchange of a possessive look with Tippy, who was beaming. Judge shook hands with him and then tugged a smiling Chrissy along with him out the door. Cash and Tippy paused to speak to Jordan Powell and Libby Collins before Rory tugged them out the door, pleading starvation. The following day, the actor, acting mayor Ben Brady, resigned and left town immediately in the special election for mayor. The next day, Eddie Kane got 90% of the votes and won by a landslide without a runoff. In the state senate race, Cowing Benninger Ballinger won the Democratic primary by such a majority that Senator Merrill was actually embarrassed and refused to let himself be interviewed by the news media. Joe Merrill, Julie Merrill, on the other hand, was out on bail now and vehemently outspoken about dirty tactics using against her father in the election. She went on television to make accusations against Calhoun Ballinger. Another scandal was being felt locally as well. Libby Collins' stepmother Janet was in jail for the poisoning number of old Mr. Brady, the father of loyal Blake kept Secretary Violet. There was allocations that she poisoned other men, but there was nothing that would connect her with other deaths. Not even the exhumation of Libby and Kurt Collins' late father provided any new evidence against her. The trial promised to be interesting, like Julie Merrill's trial. When the date was set, same week of the election, Blake Kelp had Julie Merrill served as a defendant in a defamation lawsuit filed by Calhoun Ballinger. It was forewarning of things to come. She was already in hot water on an arson charge. Also, Cash had been slowly gathering evidence to link her to drug syndicate. Future looked grim, but just as Cash was about to make the arrest, Julie Mer Merrill skipped down and vanished. End of chapter 13.